right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday, January 26th in the evening. According to podcast, you're welcome back to the Sons of Saturday. Uh, we got some special guests tonight. Sam Jesse calling in from Suffolk, Virginia this evening. Sam, what's up? How we doing? Doing great. I'm never in the same spot anytime I do a Suns podcast. I'm either in Richmond, I'm in Raleigh, I'm in Suffolk, I'm wherever. Hope you get good uh, good gas mileage there, Sam. No, I do not, actually. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and then we have hailing from Gainesville, Virginia, Mr. Chris Hyde. In the vicinity. What, where technically are you? So there's uh, Gainesville is the right area, but it's kind of western edge of Prince William County. It's a little, uh, I guess they call it like a census designated area when you're not in a city or a town. So it's a little Virginia local government lesson for people. But um, I'm in a place called Bristow, which is just west of Manassas on Route 28. I knew that. I knew that you were in Bristow. Bristow, Gainesville, Haymarket. You know, you're heading you're heading it's west on 66. All, all the same. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they they got a good sheets out there. Uh, they got the concert venue. Sean, Jiffy Luke. Sean Quinn just ate at my local Firebirds. I'm pumped up. I hope <laughs> it's like a Guy Fieri thing where he goes in there and he like comes up with some sort of like unique dish that I can go in there and he has his 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 uh, picture on the wall. So. <laughs> I really am enjoying all of the um, all the folks on the staff going around the state and getting referred to great places to eat. What's the hashtag um, that Sean Quinn's putting out? BBHS. Breaking Bread Hokie Style, I think, was the one that Sean Quinn brought up. <laughs> Breaking Bread Hokie Style. It's fantastic. They got all these local restaurants taking care of them. And speaking of getting taken care of, when you are in Blacksburg, when you are in the New River Valley, I urge you to go get taken care of by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at the Main Street Pharmacy. I got to tell you, man, I mean, this guy, he's a Hokie alum, first and foremost. You know, puts a lot of money into the Virginia Tech athletics program. Important. You ever see that watermark uh, on their on their graphics or on some of the marketing material? Uh, Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts. A true Hokie cares about the community, cares about you, Blacksburg, all the student body. And also, it's got a lot of good stuff at his pharmacy. So head on in there for all of your pharmaceutical needs. You need a pre, uh, prescription filled. You need a Gatorade from a tough night out. Head on down and visit our friends at the Main Street Pharmacy. When you go to the Main Street Pharmacy, you are not a number. You are a neighbor. Okay. And uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Pat Finn. I'm in Charlotte. Uh, Cheetah, Coach Cheetah was in Charlotte today. Shout out Robert Irby. We did see on Twitter a picture of you and Coach Jones uh, at one of the the local shopping outlets. Um, I I literally thought that was an example of they're trying to recruit everybody. That's why I took that as for Robert Irby there. So he's a a future Cheetah for the secondary. So watch out, everybody. Robert Irby coming to a secondary near you. Okay. So we got no, no hokey haiku today. That's all right. But what we wanted to do, Chris Himes, he says, guys, I want to talk about Virginia. You know, I work in local government. I know a lot about the demograph he was saying earlier about, uh, you know, the localities of Virginia. We see this new staff led by Coach Pry and Coach Quinn and everyone going all around the state, Tour Day Commonwealth 
popping in high schools, popping in local eateries, shaking hands with hokey principals, this, that, and the other. It's all over the internet, and we're really excited about it, whether it's 804, the 540, the 703, the 757, the 276. You know, these guys are everywhere. But Chris Himes, I know you're excited to talk about this. Tell me why, you know, I know we were thinking to put in an article about it, but tell me why, you know, or, or just set the table, set the table for everyone here listening. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been something of interest. I, I'm pretty sure I, I plugged an article that for something like this, and it never came to be because every time I wrote the article, uh, put a couple thousand words down on the page, I reread it, and I, I just felt like I was explaining more so than actually talking about the topic because there's so much context and nuance about this because uh, it just goes to show just how kind of scattered uh, this kind of where talent comes from in Virginia and what that means for the Virginia Tech kind of overall recruiting strategy. So what I ended up thinking was just let's try to reframe what it means to recruit talent in Virginia. And also, what does that mean and how does it bounce off just how Virginia has grown? Because, I mean, Virginia, for everyone who's lived and let's make sure that we're saying the Commonwealth, not the state, it's the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, that's that's my local government, government 101 right there. But the last 30 years, there's there's you know just been tremendous shifts across the region um, in terms of where new opportunities uh, have come for people relocating their families. Just it's been uh, kind of night and day that if you lived here 30 years ago. I can't imagine that it looks anywhere near the same, even in some of those kind of larger epicenters as well. So I was like, okay, well. If I look at that first and kind of see the shifts and then I go, well, where does the talent come in Virginia? And not just historically, but how has it been trending in the last, you know, five or 10 years? Well, how do we even frame that? Um, so, so first I wanted to look at just the shifts in just the numbers across the board. And so I kind of went into some census numbers and looked at it and just kind of uh, a lot of it just kind of confirmed what I thought. And we could talk about that first and then we get into the actual talent side of the equation. But I just wanted to get kind of a nice uh, uh, kind of understanding of where people are moving to specifically in the last 10 years and what that means. And I wanted to get your ideas about this first. So if I had to, if I had to put it out there to the layman and I said, um, growth in Virginia, where is it happening? And I can put out here, we, we talked about it a little bit beforehand, but before you even might've known the answer, where would you have thought, what would your assumption be? as the fastest growing area, not necessarily the most populated, but the fastest growing. I'll jump in here and I'll still say Northern Virginia. Where, where in Northern Virginia, where'd you think? Well, that's the thing. Uh, Nova is like Fredericksburg to Maryland, basically. Yeah, that is the assumption that Fredericksburg is part of it. Northern Virginia is actually just kind of the three main counties. It's, it's Fairfax, Prince William and Loudoun County. And um, Loudoun County and Prince William, because everyone thinks Fairfax is this behemoth county and everything, but those are the places that have grown the most over the last like, 20 years. And of course, high schools that Virginia Tech Frank Beamer might have been recruiting um, have appeared since he even left Virginia Tech. So there's just more growing schools coming out of nowhere. There's probably been, I don't know how many created high schools here in the last 10 years than they originally had out there. And that's just part of the actual churn of what's happening. So um, Loudoun County is actually 
the fastest growing county in all of Virginia, especially over the last 10 years. And so you actually look at some of the, we talked about alluding to the staff going out and taking pictures and stuff. And it seems like they spent the better half of the week just in that area alone is because there's just so many high schools in that one area. And there's a lot of talent coming out of there. We can talk about that in a bit, but um, it just kind of goes against some of the, I guess, the common perceptions that it's just Fairfax, Virginia Beach. You know, Virginia Beach is a huge location, but it's not necessarily growing. It's actually kind of staying mostly the same. Um, and then some of the other areas like, you know, the traditional uh, kind of quote unquote uh, population centers like Norfolk and um, kind of the Hampton Roads kind of areas. So like Newport News, Hampton. Um, some of those have been flat to even decreasing. There's actually less people in the city of Norfolk than there was uh, 10 years ago. So it just kind of lets you know that what you thought and your assumption was um, about where people were growing out is probably a little bit different. Um, so when I think of that, I think of well, where should Virginia Tech focus on? Um, so for me, it was just Loudoun, it was Prince William, uh, Chesterfield County, which is another one, pretty much the entire southern hemisphere of the city of Richmond. Um, and then another one that I thought was interesting because of the growth rate, not necessarily in sheer size, but I think we can all attest if anybody has tried to, uh, 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 what is it, a practicing futility driving up and down I-95, uh, Stafford County, Fredericksburg area as well. Um, and so that is just all part of what I think would make sense and and kind of framing everything. It's just where people are and what that means in terms of recruiting. I just pass back over to you guys and what you think. For so long, it was 757 for talent. And then also kind of on the back of that was the 804 in the Richmond area. And, you know, I grew up in outside of the Richmond area and I'll tell you what football was not high quality there outside of, you know, the South side schools, which really aren't even in Richmond. And then, you know, Highland Springs out in the East end, the quality of football really wasn't that great. I, I remember when I was little, it was Hermitage High School. They hadn't had a good football team for a while now. Certainly where I went to high school and son of Saturday, Grayson went to high school at Deep Run. Um, you know, Chris, we were joking about this. We said they'll never visit Deep Run. They barely won any football games when I was there. Well, lo and behold, uh, they showed up at Deep Run High School and visited one day. So you know, I think what you're seeing with the current staff that was a little bit different is building relationships with individual schools and not just simply with recruits. And I think that's a big shift in focus, uh, not only area wise, but a shifting in focus of how are we going to approach recruiting, not for this class, not for the next class, but for the next 10 classes. And I think that's where we're going to kind of focus with the state of Virginia here is, all right, what's the long-term plan? And ultimately where should efforts and funds be put towards. And, you know, one of the jokes with Texas to VT was like, oh, Texas kids will never want to go there. Well, you know, another issue with recruiting that far away is cost. You have to fly somebody there. Longer flights are more expensive. You have to house somebody there. That's a lot of money. And it's a lot of money that quite frankly, the Virginia Tech program doesn't have to just spend willy nilly like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama do. So you have to be smart with it. And I think what we're seeing from this staff right now is spreading a wide net across a small area, right? Each individual high school, even some that aren't really football powers, just building those relationships because they understand how important it is, not only from a cultural talent perspective to recruit the state of Virginia and Maryland and North Carolina as well, 
but also just from a cost efficiency standpoint, it's going to be much better for this program long-term if they can keep their talent pool local, which I think is an exciting prospect. Cause it's also, it's, it, it's kind of more fun to root for guys from, you know, if guys are from your hometown, like Anton Exum playing on Saturdays and getting a pick six against UVA and, you know, land the wood on some macho Harris, how amazing he was as an all American also from Richmond. Like that was really cool for me to watch growing up. And it, it's part of what made me a Hokie fan that I am today. So I, I just think it's so important. And what the new staff is doing is a really interesting and new method of doing that. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting conversation. Um, just to kind of take, take Virginia for what it is, look at it past, present, future, right? Um, you know, Chris, I know you have you have some information prepared on like where does Virginia regionally, um, how does Virginia stack up, you know, with NFL talent based on specific regions? Um, you know, how does Virginia Tech and how has Virginia Tech recruited Virginia historically? How has the talent levels in Virginia, you know, um, gotten better in some areas, gotten worse in some areas and plateaued in some areas. Right. Um, and I think having this conversation when the staff is going to prioritize Virginia, number one, and then that six hour radius is number two, um, you know, is, is a really important conversation. So, and obviously Sam, you know, we bring you to the fold here. You covered recruiting for a very long time for the key play, you know, did dozens of interviews with Virginia recruits. You know what it's like, or you don't know what it's like personally, but as far as just, um, you know, talking to them and understanding their perspectives and hearing them talk about where Virginia Tech stacks up, you know, that's that's another thing that we'd love to kind of peel back as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the good news, I think, for Virginia Tech's case is a lot of that's changing. The infrastructure that's been put into the program, even since I was, you know, a junior in college, has been tremendous um, and a really big boost to, you know, the profile of the program. So that's all exciting and stuff, but Chris, uh, we can dive into some of these numbers, maybe some of the past classes in the state of Virginia, because that's really where this whole conversation started was tech's inability to recruit the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess wanted to kind of marry up kind of how populations have shifted in the state and has that kind of shown through with the actual shift in talent in the state. Um, because, you know, I mean, I believe, Sam, you just said it before, like, if you said it to anybody who was just a casual tech fan, even some of the more diehards that are out there as well, and can be some of the outsiders as well to the program, it's just like, well, what do you need to do to be a successful program at Virginia Tech in terms of recruiting? And the number one answer would be recruit 757. I mean, is there any other uh, 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 opinion that you've heard out there that that is more than that, either of you. I mean, I don't know if you're shaking your heads or not here, but I mean, that is the number one thing. It's the most uh, uh, subjective anecdote that's thrown around every time you hear how should we recruit as a program. And I'm not saying that there's any uh, uh, thing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's not the entire picture. Um, and so when I understood the, the demographic changes, I go, okay, well, I mean, 757 is a very important area, but it's not necessarily growing. It's just kind of, in fact, it's mostly kind of staying the same or in, in some areas of it uh, going down. Um, but the other part of that is, is there's some other parts of the state are actually growing and they have talent coming up in it as well. And they've actually produced more 
than they had previously. So I wanted to kind of see what that looked like. And um, just to kind of frame it first, and I tried to do the whole how many kids uh, went to power five schools and what that meant. The problem with all that is just way too many variables. It's a whole lot of unbased information. So for me, I just wanted to simplify things. And so what I did was just look at the, what is it, the, the pro football reference high school data. I went through and compared that to all the Virginia kind of localities. And I, I itemized it by their county and their area code because we identify the state commonwealth in this instance, mostly by area code regions. And then I did kind of like a historical versus active split in terms of how much change has occurred, in this case, by area code. Um, and so if anybody out there doesn't know the average kind of NFL player lifespan out there, it's roughly about five years. And the reason I chose NFL was to me, that is just, I mean, NFL has to be probably one of the true meritocracies in sports. I mean, does anybody have any inputs on that one? Like, regardless of your college situation, chances are, if you get to the NFL, you're, you're pretty good. And um, there's a lot of college situations that kind of dilute the numbers. Like you, you go there and they have a coaching change or academics or life in general or something like that. Um, all that can be attributed to just the circumstance of the college. But generally, if you get drafted, and this is drafted, this is practice squads, this is any kind of affiliation with an NFL team, you're there because you're really, really good and you got evaluated and scouted properly to be pulled into an NFL franchise. So um, to me, that was kind of the true uh, measure of talent in this case. Um, so what I ended up seeing was, and, and the one thing that skews the numbers that people are familiar with is the four, three, four area code, which basically has always been hard grade. Uma. Uma. <laughs> we have to kind of pull all those numbers out because if anybody's familiar with postgraduate football, those are mostly preparatory schools. I don't think hard grade even has a currently operating postgrad program right now. Um, so it's mostly just FUMA and those schools are magnet schools. They have national kids. So it's very rare that you get a Virginia kid that actually goes to those programs and actually goes to the postgrad program and then re-recruit them. Um, most of those kids come from out of state. So when they're done with that postgrad program, they they go back to their 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 original state and usually go to those state power five schools that they're trying to get a college um, offer to. So it, it's really, really tough to bank on those numbers. But yes, if you were to look at Virginia and the two most successful NFL producing schools in Virginia, technically, yes, it is hard grading FUMA. It's not even close. It's like, uh, I think they comprise like, uh, in terms of percent of active NFL players, they, they, they're like 30 out of 80. They're like, you know, almost 40% of the entire pool of active talent. Um, but the difference was, was the, the reduction in 757 historical versus active talent. I think that as a share of the total players it went from something like almost 28% down to like 22.5%. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of marries with the fact that they haven't been growing as much as a region. They've been kind of flatter going down. And then subsequently, the 703, and then because it's such a big spot, uh, slash 571 area code, you know, they went from uh, just under 19% to just over 21%. So they're growing. And that makes sense because that's the place that's growing the most. And so, um, when you look at it, um, just as a whole, from those shifts, I mean, does that surprise any of you, Sam, um, in terms of just kind of the general talent kind of changes in terms of who's producing who? To be honest, not really. And because recruiting in that point is just a, a numbers game, right? And, yeah. you know, the most 
numerous, I mean, the largest schools in Virginia right now are south side of Richmond and Chesterfield County and then northern Virginia. And that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I think another thing to bring into this is the quality of coaching in the 757. And this isn't to, to bag on anybody else, but the reality is uh, Virginia Beach Public Schools, Chesapeake Public Schools, and you know Portsmouth, Norfolk, the other cities in the area simply weren't paying the football coaches enough. Those head coaches that had built great programs and developed great talent left. They're not here in Virginia anymore. They're in North Carolina. Uh, they're in Georgia. They're in Florida. And they're doing great jobs down there. They're not in the 757 anymore. And when you have such a minute amount of time to develop a player at the high school level, you really have three years, uh, four, if a guy's a freak, has a freshman in high school and just grew really quickly, um, you, you don't have a lot of time. So the quality of coaching has gone down in that area. And now you're seeing more schools from Northern Virginia and, and some from the Richmond area, schools like uh, LC Bird and Highland Springs, continuing to put out really good talent. But if you look at Highland Springs, right, Lauren Johnson, former Hokie, is the head coach there. Not only are they pumping out top recruits, but those are top recruits that aren't bust. They're making it to the Power Five level and playing really well. Uh, even the under-recruited guys like Greg Dorch, who went to Wake Forest, um, you know, these are players that are doing really, really well, and players that are ultimately making it to the NFL. So, when you're looking at the state of Virginia for recruiting, and we'll get into you know some of the last classes here, but. A lot of the guys who end up being great, great players, um, not a lot of them are from the 757 right now. And I, I'm, maybe they need to take that as a challenge. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a complete shift of talent at the collegiate level. They're getting the rankings for high school, but they're not getting the production in college that we're seeing from the other areas. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good call out, Sam, um, especially just honing in on the fact that some of these coaches are have been pulled from their posts, you know, to go get paid elsewhere. And the fact that, you know, there hasn't been a reloading or a rebuilding in the coaching aspect just because of, um, you know, that talent is going elsewhere. Um, talking about those last five classes, because, you know, um, Coach Fuente's first class technically was 2015 technically speaking because he inherited that class but um we'll talk everything from 2018 to 2022 the 2022 class uh, as far as just talking about guys from virginia we know that class finished uh or is currently ranked 31st overall we'll probably finish around there with signing day in february four of our top uh, 20 Virginia guys uh, chose to come to Virginia Tech. Uh, we had 13 overall commits from Virginia Tech. Um, and those four, Gunnar Givens from Lord Botetot, um, Benji Gosnell is from Carroll County, Brody Meadows is from, I think, like the Charlottesville area, and then Richard Purnell is from Highland Springs. Um, so we want to take it back to 2021. 44th overall class, three guys from the top 20 in Virginia. Jalen Stroman from Noakesville, Virginia, up in Nova. 
Kelly Lawson is out from Sharando, uh, which is like the Winchester area. And then Jalen Jones uh, from TJ, right? Uh, TJ in uh, yep. Richmond. TJ, right, right in the, uh, right in Richmond. Uh, lived like two blocks from TJ at once. Jalen Jones had a great career there. Uh, we had eight guys from Virginia in the 2021 And, and class. sorry, Pat, I'm sorry to break you off, but at a program that historically sucked so bad that even Deep Run would beat them every year. <laughs> so Jalen Jones came from a school that would regularly win one, maybe two games a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Did he did he help them make the playoffs? He might have. Um, I, I'm not sure if they made the playoffs that year, but they definitely were winning football games, which mm-hmm. was uh, did, did not happen at TJ. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. When someone said that there was some kid who came from, because this is just my loose understanding of some of the specific schools in there, but having lived in Northern Virginia for so long, when someone told me that we had a kid from a really bad program, Thomas Jefferson, I thought of Thomas Jefferson uh, uh, Jefferson STEM High School, which is in Fairfax County, Virginia. It's like the number one academic public high school in the entire country. And I'm like, they have a football program, and this kid came from there, and he led him to almost the states. Like, wow! Like, I must be, I must be missing something. But uh, the 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 hard part is, is uh, there, there's like there's like 20 high schools in Virginia called Thomas Jefferson. I think the guy mattered to the state for some reason, from a historical perspective. I don't know. They, that's what they keep telling me. Yeah, Tim and uh, there's, I feel like there's a handful of Patrick Henrys too. Um, 2020 class. You guys know about the 2020 class. It was not a good class. 15 overall commits in 2020, 76 overall, not a single top 20 Virginia recruit and only one Virginia recruit overall. Um, Lakeem Rudolph um, from the 757. 2019, we had three. From the top 20, Jade Payute from LC Bird, Tavion Robinson from Cox High School out in the beach. Uh, Jesse Hansen, I believe, is another Botatot uh, guy. That class was ranked 26th overall with three top 20 Virginia guys. And uh, we had six overall recruits from the state of Virginia. And then uh, 2018, the best class of the last five years, statistically from 24-7 sports, uh, came in at 24th overall, had six guys from Virginia in this class. And uh, that includes James Mitchell, Armani Chapman, Keyshawn Artis, Cole Beck, Javon Becton, and Luke Tenuta. Now, I just went over. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, jump in. Jump in, Chris. No, no. I just wanted to say, like, just based off of that rundown, like the the kids from Virginia and everything. And this goes kind of my big takeaway as a whole. Because, yes, yeah, there are shifting demographics going on in the state. There are uh, uh, up-and-coming schools, probably more so than traditional powerhouses. There's dynamics on coaching, paying coaches and stuff like that going on. But I think you just kind of over, like you took my point there with the fact that you listed kids from almost every single representative area code and region from the state that were top kids in Virginia. And that's what I think is so important about the state of Virginia. It is a sum of all of its parts kind of state lesser than a let's just hone in on one area and that's going to be our bread and butter because there is so much telling us that that is not the case anymore and also we have numbers because if i you obviously the audience is listening can't hear this but if you had that list that i showed out you know the list of schools that have maybe two or one kid historically inactive is is almost the entire list and so that just shows that you know 
A talented NFL player has come from almost every single high school in Virginia once. So those schools have that capacity to do that. So, you know, recruit the entire region. So when I think it was Brent Price says, we're going to recruit the region. I think of that, he's like, you're going to recruit the entire state. And then you see the staff out there and they're literally walking around. As Sam said, he was surprised to see a, a deep run of a, a, a high school visit there. It's like, they're literally going to every high school, I believe. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll probably give the uh, full governor's tour for Sean Quinn there, but um, uh, and the man is an animal, but I guess that's the approach is you got to make a relationship with every single high school coach. And I think that's also important because if I read the press release, I don't know if it's a press release, but the rumor is that we hired a director of high school relations as well from a guy who was a pretty prominent high school uh, coach formerly of, uh, was it Indian River? Uh, I, I don't know if he was an example, Sam, of somebody who had left for no, different pay and stuff. But I haven't been on my phone today. Uh, is his name Glenwood Ferby? Yes. Okay. So Glenwood Ferby was the high school coach at Indian River when uh, Devin Hunter was there, right? Mm -hmm. And Devin Hunter wasn't the only good recruit from Indian River, which is in Chesapeake, Virginia in the 757. Uh, they had a few others. They had a good program going. They had some good players. And he ended up leaving there right after Devin Hunter and went to Zebulon Vance High School in Charlotte, I believe, which is a, a pretty prominent program in the city of Charlotte. Uh, Tech almost had to commit from there because of his and Tech almost had to commit from Charlotte because of the relationship that they had built with the Indian River coach. It, it ended up falling through for a couple different reasons. But um, if it's him, that's a guy who's been around. Uh, not only 757, but also in the uh, the Charlotte area, which is um, a massive, massive uh, recruiting area and is also a lot closer to Blacksburg, Virginia than I'm sitting right now in Suffolk, Virginia. And that's, a, and that's another thing that I think people don't understand is how far away yeah. um, the 757 just, is. Just a drive. I mean, if you're going, if you're parents and they're just going to see a game, it's a it's a multi-day trip. It's, yes. it's a six hour drive if you're lucky. So, um, yeah, if that's the hire, uh, I haven't heard much about that, but if it is, I think it would be an absolutely great fit yeah. because he's a guy who's not only a good football coach, but he knows the yes. high school landscape. It, it's a, it's a, just another example of the fact that the volume of high schools that they're trying to create and sustain relationships with is so like awesome in scale that they hired somebody solely to focus on that one mission rather than just, Oh, we just need to maintain. Cause I think it was, what was it the traditional, like Brian Steinspring of all, he was just the seven, five, seven guy. And that was, yeah, that, you know, obviously was valuable, especially at that time where the, the talent level was where it was at that point. But, you know, now when you have to kind of say what Sam said, cast a wide net over a very focused region, maintain meaningful relationships, not just pop in there when it's convenient, when a, a certain kid comes up that you know of, you know, you need somebody like that who has an understanding at that level uh, to be able to manage that as your kind of your 24-7 job. So I thought that was uh, a pretty enlightening uh, bit of news coming out of the organization or at least recently. I, I saw it on, on I believe it was 247 and, and on Twitter for a few different accounts, but um, great, great decision as a program, I think. All right, everybody, we just took a quick break. Hokies are playing Miami right now. 
Uh, it looks like we do have a lead with 10 minutes left. Um, so Miami has us right where they want us. Um, hopefully we can hold on. I'm sorry, guys, but uh, it's been a rough year on the hardwood. Uh, but before we finish out our segments here, wanted to jump in. Sam's recording Locks of Saturday right after this. Well, speaking of Locks of Saturday, DraftKings, Sportsbook, four teams left in the playoffs. And that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. If you are not a new customer, you can still experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code SOS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Virginia, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you, DraftKings. Sam, I know you're fired up about that hashtag locks of Saturday, but um, so we'll, we'll probably run around for 15 more minutes here, 10, 15 more minutes. Keep this, uh, keep this as a round table discussion. going to talk about kind of high schools that are rising, rising and falling lately, a little rapid fired there. Um, the next class 2023 in Virginia, what that looks like, uh, you know, kind of what national recruiting has on the state of Virginia and uh We'll wrap up from there. Sam or Chris, who wants to start the rapid fire for, uh, for these high schools? Sam, it looks like you're excited. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to kind of cover our two, our two hemispheres here, I think, because I mean, everything kind of marries into what we talked about beforehand, which was these areas are kind of growing. These areas are kind of fading. This has had the impact in terms of coaches kind of going from where they used to be paid much to where they're not, where we've seen the trends from NFL active talent and kind of where they're not anymore. So this is kind of coincidence. So hopefully if you're listening at this point, you probably know already which programs we're probably going to be talking about here. So Sam, you can lead it off. You seem like you're itching to get out there with the kind of the Richmond, maybe some of the 757 type programs. And I can definitely add to that. Uh, but I definitely have a few on the top of my mind. But if you want to well, we'll start in the capital of the Commonwealth in the Richmond area. And I think the big story out of the Richmond area is Life Christian Academy, which has come out of absolutely nowhere to have really good football players out of it. Uh, Virginia Tech's got a couple. Reed Pulliam um, is a linebacker who came onto the scene as a recruit pretty late and looks like he has absolute pythons for arms. If you've seen the latest yeah. Hokies football Instagram story, that's kind of a new phenomenon because Richmond isn't known for the private school scene. So life Christian and Benedictine prep who has put out a few um, pretty good athletes, uh, Cleveland Farrell 
uh, who went to Clemson is now with the Las Vegas Raiders. No, I will add to that. Um, They, this is life Christian. They're so new that they don't even really have anybody who's even eligible to be drafted. I think yet in terms of that program and how do I think they started as a program at 18, maybe 19. So we don't even know, but based off of everything we're seeing from a recruiting perspective, those they're, they're getting a lot of FBS talent coming out of that program, at least now, mostly power five talent. So who knows, but former Hokey, former Hokey, great defensive back rock Carmichael yes. is now with life Christian yeah. uh, as a coach. So that could yeah. be a, a really nice yeah. plug. And, and other for that, we've mentioned them a few times, but they're the powerhouse in the state at any level in my stock. mind, Highland, Highland Springs stock, high school stock rising that, that that's that's Bitcoin right now. That that is high school Bitcoin <laughs> stock purchasing going on right there. And you know, just to kind of put another degree of detail in there, I mean, they play a national schedule, so it's it's very mm-hmm. much like a St. Francis Academy. If you're not familiar with uh, kind of um, their national schedule out of Baltimore, uh, IMG is a more infamous one as well. So you do have those kind of national programs. That's what Life Christian Academy is. So they don't even really play in the VHSL uh, kind of. Um, uh, structure as well too so not only are they a private school who plays this national schedule but they will probably bring in some really solid regional talent as well as maybe some out-of-state type talent as well so to have a relationship like rock michael there now on staff with his virginia tech ties um in his own professional career like that's huge in terms of what we talked about before the relationship that network as well so um to me if i'm buying any stock out of any high school right now, and they have the least proof in terms of active talent, it's probably like Christian Academy. For me, that's at least. But then again, I like to gamble. So, And LCA, not to be confused with Liberty Christian Academy in Lynchburg, Virginia, which also puts out a fair amount of talent year over year. Uh, but Life Christian Academy has two guys in the 2023 class that are top 10. Uh, in the state of Virginia, uh, by the names of Joshua Miller, who's committed to Penn State. We'll get into that a little later. And Antonio Cotman Jr., who's a cornerback from LCA. Uh, just first glance, when I see Antonio Cotman Jr., it kind of looks like Antonio Cromarty, um, but it's not. Um, Highlands. That would Spring. be a nice. That would be a nice recruit to get. That would be a great recruit. <laughs> and if Highland you're talking about. Highland Springs, I, I think the amazing part of it is it's a public school and the consistency that they've put out really good players and the consistency that those players haven't gone to Virginia Tech <laughs> is remarkable. Um, but we're seeing that tide change a little bit. And I put in my article for kind of a spring football preview. Rashad Purnell, defensive end, is maybe the most on-field, probably the second most on-field ready freshman that Virginia Tech is going to have behind Gunnar Givens uh, from Lord Botetot out in Southwest yep. Virginia. So, you know, in terms of guys who are ready to contribute quicker, that's one of the programs where you're going to find guys who are going to step on campus and be ready to contribute on Saturdays. Yep. And that's a very rare yep. thing. Island Springs is they're that Fortune 500 company. You know they're, they're not going anywhere. They, they're strong. They're going to stay strong. They're, that's the one you keep in your portfolio, and you make sure you have a certain percentage of. But uh, real solid stock. Uh, that's the one that your your grandparents tell you to keep around, and your your dad advises you when you you get that financial advice of what to buy. But um, you, 
they've been one that's maintained consistency in terms of over-representation of historical talent and still has kept that kind of uh, percentage share of active talent as well. So High, Highland Springs is a great program. They, they will look to be continually great going forward as well. They're in good hands there. You know, if you exclude Fuma and Hargrave from the conversation, there's only one high school in the state of Virginia that has put more NFL talent um, from Virginia into the league, and that is Hampton High School. The second place is uh, Highland Springs. Highland Springs has put 12 uh, Virginia-born and Virginia-bred players into the NFL. Uh, three of them are currently on active rosters, including Mackay Becton. Um, Virginia Tech, historically, I know uh, not that many or not as many as we would like, but just to give you guys a few names here. Rashad Purnell, as Sam uh, just talked about. Macho Harris, one of the best to ever put on the orange and maroon. Chris Hill, if you guys remember Chris Hill, uh, wore number nine, who's a defensive back. And then Antoine Hopkins, um, who's younger. I guess where's Derek Hopkins on this list? You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the top two. This is like the top 200. It's like the top 250 Virginia Tech recruits of all time. So Antoine Hopkins is on this list. Derek Hopkins is currently a coach at Highland Springs. Obviously, Lauren Johnson is coaching there. And then Braylon Johnson, Lauren Johnson's son, is the 10th ranked recruit uh, in the state of Virginia in 2023. He is a safety, and um, that would be a big get. Sam, it looks like you want to say something over there. It would be considered a complete failure if he is not wearing orange and maroon. Just point blank. That's a, that is a binary. You get him or you don't. There's nothing else. And I, like it. I, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. There's been too many recruiting misses and that's why the, it went down. Do stars mean everything? No, they don't. But I really want the bigger, faster people <laughs> to come and play at Virginia Tech and especially ones that have connections like their father played at Virginia Tech. That's one you need to get. You you absolutely need to get that one. Uh, that's more important than the uh, five-star guy leading the state right now out of Ashburn. Uh, Lauren Johnson's kid is a more important recruit than the 98.49 ranked Oh, five star. And I'll agree with that. And I mean, we can definitely hop into a couple more here, but I think the overall thing is just is not necessarily making sure. Yes, when you have a relationship with a kid who's highly ranked and you know he should be a focused recruit because it just makes sense. Yes, that's one thing. Um, and we can talk about some of the other kind of nuances of what the recruiting strategy for tech should be going forward. Uh, but when you look at the stars, you look at the ratings and everything, the one thing to focus on is not necessarily always just the best possible available, but also the one that kind of fits what the staff wants to do as well. So there is that little element in there. And I think that'll probably be borne out when they're looking at the margins between similarly ranked recruits and which ones do they go to. Um, and, and I think that'll be important to kind of factor into it with the kind of regime change here and kind of what the expectation is for the types of recruits. And it feels like we've been shifting that for the last few years because we, you know, foster left. No, we're going to get these types of defensive players. And then they leave and it's like, Oh no, now we're going to go out and get these types of players. So that'll be really interesting when we see the 23 class and you start seeing the actual uh, targeted kids and kind of get a sense of, Oh, these are the types of athletes that they're going after now for each position. 
that fits their scheme. So that'll be really interesting, even probably more so than what they do with the current people on hand, because I mean, there might be some fit, but I don't know if it's going to be a perfect, but that 23 class will be very indicative of what they actually want and they're looking for. Uh, so I thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. And um, huge, huge with a, uh, with the new strength staff as well. How, yeah. uh, how their relationship with the strength every, staff. Every day will be leg day. So <laughs> let's get going. Yeah. Um, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't say at least a few from 757. I mean, obviously the state powerhouse, the one that's been a traditional power and current powers, well, Oscar Smith, that's almost kind of like Highland Springs. It's not one that they've necessarily really wavered upon. In fact, they've probably been a team that's been the rich kind of get richer because of some of the drawdown and 757 high school coaching availability in that area. And they seem kind of in, kind of uh, uh, been able to be resilient to that. But yeah, they're obviously one of the best programs in that entire region. And it's borne out because they're back-to-back state champions as well at the 6A level. So it's the highest one in in, in the Commonwealth. So um, that would be one. I don't know if anybody else has another one they would think of from the 757 if you want to kind of keep rapid fire here. I would say Cox yeah. High School is one where that, Pat, did I take yours? Uh, actually, I was going to, I was going to, jump in the car and head on up to the 703. So uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go up 95. Let's go, let's go up traffic. there. We're, we're, we're currently stuck somewhere in Loiza County, just, just contemplating life and, and wondering why we can't get up there. But um, I will take a quick detour and stop everybody on the way to 703 and just kind of give a quick shout out to the Stafford area. If I'm buying rising programs, I'd be remiss of saying if they were a fast growing region and not call out a few schools, but I do think schools like Mountain View, uh, North Stafford, um, some of those types of schools, uh, 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 they're just a product of growing region around there. And I have seen a couple of recruits come from those few schools. And so I do think that that should be on the radar for these coaches in terms of, hey, these are high schools that are no longer just uh, the scenery that you're driving by when you're going from, you know, Richmond up to, up to DC. So I think it's now worth staff kind of stopping in the Fredericksburg staff area. So that's just my second. I don't know if anyone else has anything to put to that, but we can continue on up the road. Yeah. Um, just one North Stafford tidbit. I know Devin Ford is a North Stafford alum and we pulled out all the stops for that guy. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out. He decided to go play ball at Penn state. Um, but yeah, North Stafford, Devin Ford. The one I wanted to point out was the, um, Stonewall Jackson High School, which is now known as Unity Reed High School. I was say you you need to read. That's what we refer to around here nowadays. You're, you're gonna get you're gonna get blocked. <laughs> Brian Williams was the the OG coming out of the what was he the class of 2009? No, 2008 because he 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 uh, he he redshirted 2008 out of yep. um, out of uh, Stonewall Jackson High School. Now Unity Reed. Tim Settle, Reggie Floyd. Greg Stroman, all products uh, of the same high school. Justin Robinson, if we want to get onto the hardwood, right? Robinson, is he from? Uh, well, we just Empire also Fire forgot Fire. about the uh, the the Buckus Award winning future Alabama linebacker uh, Sean Murphy, who uh, just got uh, committed and is now, I believe, he's enrolling early. I can't remember; he's not, but. That was another one where it's like you really wish you got him. Tyleek Williams, who went to Ohio State from there as well. Oh. That was another big investment relationship for them. So they've had a pretty solid consistency as a program of, of having really great talent coming out of that. And they play a pretty uh, kind of, uh, I would say, almost like a Highland Springs-esque style of football, very physical program as well. So 
that should always be an emphasis around here. That was going to be in my same stock, kind of not necessarily rising or falling, but just this is a school you need to focus on just based on their their legacy and, and their relationship with Virginia Tech. So, you know, I had forgotten um, Justin Robinson went to St. James School. Is that around there, Chris? That I have no idea. I'm not necessarily familiar with every single high school. I know the St. James is that big, like athletic complex that really, really rich people have memberships to around here, but that's, that's just me. St. <laughs> James. Um, we'll do a little. Um, but, uh, you know, just to kind of in keeping with some of the stuff that we were talking about in the 703 area, you know, you have some other schools that I don't know if they've really borne out major NFL talent overall, but they are really solid programs. And it's probably going to be a matter of time with the population shifts into the area. But you know, you have Stonebridge High School. I believe they won the 4A. Was that them or was it 5? I can't remember. But they recently just won another one. I think they go back and forth in their uh, battle with Highland Springs, um, I think it is. Uh, but they're really, really – if I'm speaking out of turn, I apologize. But um, I know that they're a pretty good program up there in Loudoun County. Um, I believe they're in Ashburn. Um, and then uh, just some other schools that are kind of popping up out of nowhere that, I mean, to me – had some somewhat of a historical legacy, but those traditional kind of schools like Westfield kind of in that Centerville Chantilly type region, you know, they've been solid, but they haven't necessarily been producing the kind of NFL kind of caliber athlete uh, as of recent. So I don't know if that would be more of like a stock same same or kind of falling a little bit, but um, just something that if you think of Northern Virginia football, they would definitely be the ones that would come top of mind for some of the, the Hokie alumni out there. But um, anything else for the 703 area? Yeah, historically, it was Westfield High School that had Eddie Royal, Sean Glennon, Evan Royster, and Eddie Royal's brother, Chris. Yep. Um, um, I think some other it. ones, yeah, I was going to say, some other ones are more peppered around the, the state, you know, you know, the 540 area. Salem is a great program, has some solid talent in that area. Lord Botetourt, you know, obviously you mentioned Liberty Christian Academy. Those are kind of the more um, known type teams that have had talent come to Virginia tech and also they've maintained consistency. So I don't know if they're necessarily rising or falling. I think they're just kind of the ones that are the most prevalent in those regions. Um, but, uh, I don't know for me personally, I can't think of any ones that would be kind of coming out of nowhere, rising type program, kind of like what life Christian was, um, because of their, they're almost completely out of nowhere. You know, I mentioned not to say that they're on the downfall, but, um, you know, kind of to the theme of, how we haven't seen as much talent uh, come out of the seven five seven into the NFL, but you know, I mentioned Hampton. Hampton had thirteen guys go to the NFL according to uh, this data that we pulled. But also, like you know, Bethel, Warwick, Maury. Mm-hmm. If I'm saying that correctly, like, these are all schools that have put yeah. at least well, you know six or seven guys in the NFL, and it seems like you know there's only one from each school on active rosters in the NFL. Well, a lot of the thing, and Chris, you covered this at the beginning, so I guess this is a good rounding it out, but the population of those schools has gone down recently, which is, it's a smaller playing pool. But, you know, I would also say that a lot of these guys from that 757 area maybe weren't going to the best situations for them as players. They were going to, you know, basically flashy recruiting destinations that didn't work out for them. And, you know, that happens sometimes and it's unfortunate, but, you know, 
high school players, when they're in high school, you have basically like two years once you grow to like get yourself recruited. Then once you're recruited, you have four years to develop. That's a really short amount of time to develop, especially for somebody who's probably going to gain 30 to 35 pounds in college. So you have to be at the perfect scenario in order to develop. And I think a lot of these guys from Virginia haven't been put in those perfect scenarios, not only at schools like North Carolina, Florida State, um, Virginia, other places, but at Virginia Tech as well. Virginia Tech wasn't developing some of those guys. We talk about, oh, you know, guys at the 757, that they're not playing like they used to in college. They're not, oh, it must be because of Carolina. Carolina just sells shoes. The guys going to Virginia Tech really weren't performing that amazingly either in the last six, seven years. So I think it's there's a real opportunity for this new staff to go in there and say, hey, not only are we you know, the home state school, but we also have a proven track record of developing you guys. And when it comes back, yeah, I went to Virginia Tech and I was coached really well, and that's what developed me. That's going to be the selling point that Virginia Tech could hire Saban, Bill Belichick, and whoever, but they're not going to recruit more than that guy's friend who's four years older than him and ended up going to Virginia Tech can recruit. So no. with the 757, it is the culture of football down here is so unique compared to other areas of the state. It's going to take guys going to Virginia Tech from this area, performing well and being coached well in order to really get the 757 back to orange and maroon territory. And I will say just, I mean, some of the high schools you list are specifically in the Newport News area. And I mean, it's tough to tell kind of what the specific causal factors are because there's so much that happened in the last 10 years. I mean, you have the recession, you had um, the huge industry there is Newport News Shipbuilding, Huntington Eagles has a huge presence there and they've done less overall just as a company. So it's like, think of it like a small rural town manufacturing plant that kind of goes under and there's just less jobs available. That's a I mean, that's that's that stuff that you don't think about in terms of the impact on certain schools and, and regions and stuff is just kind of what's happening economically. And that's kind of been a factor for people seeking you know opportunities elsewhere. I mean, um, the 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 hope is, is that, you know, maybe some of these people found kind of opportunities up in the northern part of the state and some of these other growing regions and they just kind of repurpose where they were. So technically, I mean, we still could have, in theory, landed a Newport News high school kid who would have gone there, but now he's in uh, another part of the state, you know, so you, you never know and, and kind of what factors into that. But, you know, that's kind of one of those like macro factors that I just feel like it's it's important context and nuance because people just go, well, what's happening here? What, what happened to it? And it's like, there's a lot that happened that shaped into why, you know, the place is kind of the, the, the shape that it is economically, at least at this point, and kind of how that factors into people sticking around, you know, so um, not, not to go too further deep into that, but, um, I think that kind of rounds out kind of just the overall state of the state. Like we've talked about regions, we've talked about kind of high schools, we've talked about, uh, kind of the sum of all of its parts type approach. And, um, that's all great, grand and wonderful. And, and, and not to steal your thunder for a segue, but, you know, kind of how, how do we think this is going into what this staff should do? You know, what, what should be the guiding kind of course you know, so kind of like what happens next, you know, and I think we've seen a little bit, but I think that's just the preliminary stuff where they're just building relationships. They're out there just, you know, uh, shaking hands on a day-to-day basis, which is incredibly important. But what's, what's after that? Shaking hands and kissing babies. And that's what they're doing right now. They are (laughs) casting 
they're casting a net, a very fine fishing net across the state of Virginia because a recruit can pop up at any school at any time and they're building relationships that'll last a long time. And I I think it's Virginia tech fans should be excited. It might, I'll just go over really quick kind of what we should expect from this class. Uh, You know, I wrote it in my article, but if you look at when Brent Pry was at Penn state, where were they recruiting? Basically top, top 20, in the country every single year. They got up to sixth in 2018. They got up to sixth for the 2022 class in the 247 composite. Virginia Tech hasn't touched that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that Virginia Tech can't. Now, will Virginia Tech be a top 10 recruiting school? Absolutely not. Could Virginia Tech be top 20? There's not really a reason they can't be top 20. There's not a reason and- they can't be top 25 every year. And the difference is, there's one or two guys that just slip through the cracks that end up going to Carolina. That could be a big difference maker for the team. That's really the difference. So when you go and you build these relationships, you have an in, you know, not just when they're a highly recruited junior, who's going to Alabama, Clemson, Texas, A&M, Florida for these recruiting visits, you have that in when no one else knows about them. When that high school coach calls up Merriman is like, Hey, I got a guy. He's 15 years old and he's already 220 pounds and he's a monster. Those are the guys that Virginia Tech is going to recruit well with when they build those relationships early. And that's what this this staff seems to understand. That is something that was missing in Blacksburg for a while. You gotta you gotta plant the seed. And that that's it for me. That's the guiding course. I mean, we can talk about some of the nuance to it, but um, in my standpoint, it's just crush Virginia and crush the DMV. Those are the people that just regionally make sense at a program like Virginia Tech, which is just a hyper regional school and power five program. You know, if we go skewed back to where we had a large percentage of our roster being comprised of kids that kind of understand the culture of Virginia Tech and kind of fit with the style of play, you know, that is where the magic happened, obviously, during the Beamer area. So for me, I, I don't really care about kind of this battle versus that battle in terms of getting recruit. Just just crush the state and get as much volume in the door as much as possible, hopefully towards the top half of the rankings. But just from a volume standpoint, just get as many as you possibly can. Um, and yeah, uh, the kind of, I think Sam alluded to it, it took time for even a program like Penn State to kind of go from where they were to being really good to being elite. So for the 2023 class, you know, I'm not expecting a a complete turnaround right away. Like this is going to take some time. So I think year over year types improvements, and then you start seeing some of those tough battles start to go our way. That's not going to be overnight. That's not going to be until like 2025, 26, you know, I'm hoping the staff does great that they're around for that time at a time. I don't expect them to not be, but um, that's where you will really start seeing the true weight and effect of this type of staff and the approach to recruiting that they have had at different programs starting to bear fruit of Virginia Tech, if that makes sense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, Chris, as far as just setting expectations right away, knowing that the way that this staff is is trying to establish these relationships, they're they're building a foundation across the entire state. And they are really just working from the ground up and grassrooting and making sure that, hey, you know, if you have someone come in in two years, I want you guys to give us a call before you give anyone else a call. Right. And that's, you know, 
Tim, you mentioned this before. It is a numbers game. The more people they have relationships with, they're not going to miss out on any of those quote unquote diamonds in the rough, you know, like, like, um, like Greg George, for example. Mm. Um, but I think making sure to set expectations early, knowing that we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, pop a, a top 15 class next year. Like it's just not realistic at this point because um, we're starting and we're kind of behind, you know, just based on the starting point of where the previous staff left us in the state of Virginia. You know, I, I read, I read all of our uh, recruits in Virginia the last uh, five years from the top 20 and there weren't that many on that list. Um, you got to start with Virginia. Obviously, you know, coach pride talked about the six hour radius and I think, North Carolina is, is integral as well. I mean, you know, guys from North Carolina who have made an impact on Virginia tech, uh, the class of 2018 specifically had a ton of North Carolina guys, whether it was Greensboro or Charlotte or, you know, Shelby where Dax is from, um, a lot of, a lot of contributors from the state of North Carolina. It's so many, um, so many guys from North Carolina have, you know, that easy proximity to get to Blacksburg. They're closer to Blacksburg than, the 757. So I think, you know, obviously putting the, uh, putting the gate, putting the fence around the state of Virginia, building those relationships, knowing that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And then, uh, you know, getting that six hour radius, including North Carolina. Um, any other thoughts about kind of like the plan and how to, how to, yeah, I would just say if we're talking about out of state kind of strongholds, it would be, I mean, if I could physically just like pick up St. Francis Academy and then just drop it in Blacksburg, Virginia. Like that would be the number one. If we can make that happen, if Witt can put that into the football budget, just relocate an entire uh, national powerhouse program, that would be number one out there. But, you know, definitely those types of schools that have made sense from a regional standpoint, um, you know, if you read the Washington Post, like Virginia Tech football is is in there, you know, as one of the, the top kind of college sports teams that they cover. So it's not like it's unknown to them that Virginia Tech doesn't exist. Um, so just getting that relationship and then having some Penn State staff now on hand that already has relationships with those schools. It just makes a lot of sense, um, both with prior relationships and those kids. And then also the fact that they would make sense for a program like Virginia Tech. Granted, we will have competition with a lot of Big Ten schools, but probably competition from a lot of schools just beyond the Big Ten SEC as well. Uh, WCAC as well, those those kind of greater D.C. area Catholic school conference schools, is, um, you know, that's obviously one that I believe you've already started going down that path as well, kind of in the same scope and scale. But um, if I had to go beyond, the, you know, just recruit every single high school in Virginia based off of everything that we've seen and then focus on some more areas, that would be one for me personally. Keep the uh, keep that IMG rolling getting guys from IMG in Florida. Keep it <laughs> it probably make more sense to get Virginia kids who went to IMG more so than going to IMG. So let's like every kid, like, like, a, was it Dalen Everett was the cornerback? He was from the Norfolk area. Everett was uh, Paul Hudson, who he was a little bit under the radar. It looks like he's got, he went uh, signed with Campbell, but he's a guy Yeah, they had a few on the roster this year. Yeah. That's the type of thing that I would have to make sure of. But yes, yeah, obviously those types of schools would be amazing. You know, Khalil Ladner went to IMG. I did not know that. Yeah, fun fact. Um, yeah, Florida. Uh-huh. Gotta keep gotta gotta continue to get Florida too. Like Trinity <laughs> Christian. I mean, we love Trinity Christian. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the Atlantic High, Delray Beach, like obviously that's been a pipeline. Gotta keep that rolling as well. There's a lot of 
solid guys who come to tech from Florida too. But, you know, we, we know what we need to do from a fundamentals and basics perspectives. Yeah. And then I, I think having an understanding of what the benchmark should be. I mean, if you look at every single class that you've talked about, and even the ones under Beamer as well, like this is kind of tells you that like we, we kind of have a foundation of what the expectation is at Virginia. We've also had some understanding of how low some of those results can be below that expectation. But I mean, Virginia tech is a type of school to where we should be able to get that kind of four to five, five to seven type four stars a year and average composite rating. I'm not as much enamored by the overall, what was it? The, the FBS national rankings kind of where, uh, you you end up at the end of the year because there's so much now uh, that factors into that. Um, and I don't even know if they've even weighted in transfer rankings into the national rankings on an annual basis now too, but I imagine they will at some point. So that's going to be a huge factor, but um, size of class matters as well in terms of, of, of weighting on that one. But I think composite rating for the overall class kind of gives you an assessment of the level of talent. So, you know, we've been pretty, was it, fortunate i guess that even under the last coaching staff like they were still able and they're not necessarily known to be elite recruiters on the previous staff obviously so but they were still able to get what top 25 classes uh, roughly 0.87 i think it was in terms of composite rating some i i do know that they had a pretty good amount of four stars in those first few classes after the transitional year from beamer so and that's with a class that if you think about it you know the head coach was Justin Fuente, not necessarily an overt guy. You know, uh, he's he's definitely one that wasn't like a um, a a, a you're, you're you're distracting me there with the results of the Miami game. I don't even want to look at it, Sam. Not yet. Um, but you also got to think that um, we didn't have the facilities that we currently have today under him. So it's like the 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 dorms, the the nutrition center, the weight room, the players lounge, like they've upgraded a lot of that kind of stuff now too. And it's like, okay, well, under the previous regime that had a staff that wasn't inclined, not inclined, but not necessarily super recruiting pedigree based in the, in the positional, uh, excuse me, amongst the positional coaches. And they didn't have the facilities. I think the the player uh, position rooms was another one in terms of the coaching rooms. Um, they didn't have those as well. And they still were able to get that level of talent in the door. And now you have a staff that is significantly more comprised of recruiting pedigree type coaches with that enhanced uh, kind of approach with all the facilities. Um, to me, that is just, oh, and I forgot to mention even the support staff that we're going through right now too. And that, that just the entire recruiting department is, is night and day from where we were. I mean, even under Beamer as well. So you put all those elements together and yeah, you look at the prior precedent of that kind of top 25-ish class of 87. I think that's the floor now, to be honest. If I'm buying stock, I'm thinking that we can do above that uh, just based off of who we have in the program now and the way that Virginia Tech has been able to do it with lesser circumstances. You know, that should prove out to be even better now. So I don't think that top 15 classes are beyond the realm of possibility. Is it going to be tough to get there? Yeah, because we don't have a precedent for it, but who's to say we can? That's just me, but I'm an optimistic guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full. I don't know about each of you. I'm excited. <laughs> Sam looks excited. I, I'm, I'm pretty fired up. I'm excited. I, I mean, I, I definitely think you're going to see much more recruiting wins than Virginia Tech fans are used to. 
Uh, I think that's for sure is they're not going to be elite, but you're going to see some wins here. And I think it's going to start pretty soon. And yeah, just that last kind of, uh, what was it when, um, um, with the Georgia, uh, kind of had that, it was the differentiation between, uh, Kirby smart and then, uh, the former, uh, Florida kind of head coach. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. It's going off the top of my head right now. Just got fired before Napier got hired. Just interrupt me if I can't remember yeah, the top of my head. Pulling. But um, um, the always be recruiting kind of approach to it. I think this staff is going to have that mentality. They're always going to be um, trying to recruit throughout the I year. Like never going to drop off. This staff looks like they really enjoy recruiting. And I think that's a really big deal, right? Like it looks like they're going out there and having a really good time doing that. And, you know, you can – so many talented coaches leave college football because they hate recruiting and they want to go to the NFL because they don't have to recruit all I'm saying. And maybe they're putting on a facade, but these guys look like they're having a great time when they're out there on the road, they're making it fun. They're getting the engagement. I mean, Cheetah wakes up every day and he's like, hashtag AP two W let's go, <laughs> let's go, you know, meet some, meet some, my, my morning daily affirmations while I'm having my coffee in the morning and getting my cheetah tweets is, is a phenomenal new uh, routine that I have, but uh, Dan Mullen was the name. Sorry. I, I'm he's already burned out of my memory, but that was kind of thing. It's like we had kind of Justin Fuente and that Dan Mullen kind of approach where it was just not emphasized. And now you have one of those kind of uh, you know, what Shane is doing in South Carolina and, and Kirby and a lot of those other kind of traditional sec where everything is based on recruiting. We now have a program that's like that, obviously because of Penn State and James Franklin and under his leadership, but that is new to Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech fans, but this isn't something new that they're doing. They're just doing what elite recruiting staffs do and, and have been doing, and it works for them. So why shouldn't we see improvements to our, uh, I would say, understanding of what Virginia Tech can be in terms of a recruiting school? So um, that 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 to me was one of the biggest takeaways is I feel like we can achieve new heights as a program in terms of our recruiting. If we just execute and have all these variables now full alignment um, with what they've done to improve staff facilities, um, you name it. So, and importantly, potential donors with the Hopi club getting closer to the 25,000 drive for 25. So that's one of those things where people remember what it took for Clemson to finally take off. They had to win ball games, but it had to take buy-in from new, new donations coming from a more just excited fan base. So who's to know what's going to happen here in the next few years in terms of just additional funding. So I don't know about you, but stock rising Virginia tech as a football program. <laughs> stock rising Virginia tech. And even from a former players perspective and, getting former players involved and especially former players that are from the state of Virginia. I feel like they're really appreciative of what's been going on so far as well. So exciting things ahead. Hopefully guys, uh, 2023 know that 24 seven sports only gives us 11 of the top 20 Virginia recruits. Uh, they need to update that so we can get an idea of where everyone's coming from. I know there's a lot of Highland Springs on there. I know there's, um, you know, some, some, Life Christian Academy guys on there. Penn State currently has three of the top uh, 10 recruits from 2023 in Virginia. And then uh, just in the grand scheme of things, Notre Dame's got like seven four-star recruits. Georgia's got seven four-star recruits already committed for 2023. 
excited uh, for the next few months here. Hopefully we can get some 2023 guys in the boat from these relationships and uh, coach probably can sign his first official class, um, you know, next December and, and uh, cap it off next February. But fellas, this was all a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming on talking about the state of the state or the state of the Commonwealth. Any uh, closing thoughts, uh, Sam, Jesse? No, I think we've covered it. I'm about to hit record on locks of Saturday here. Boom. Love it. Hokies did just lose in a half court buzzer beater. feel like it's been a while since that happened, um, but we did cover, but I'm still bummed. Chris yeah, Hines. Miami ends it on an 8-0 run. Ooh, water, we need water to have some tough wet. conversations. Yeah, wa- water is wet. Hokie basketball just continues its spiral for the 2021-22 season. So, uh, But it's okay. We're back to being a football school. All right. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. All right, fellas. Well, um, for Sam Jesse out in Suffolk, Chris Himes up in Bristow, and uh and the state of the Commonwealth, I'm Pat Finn signing off from Charlotte. We will catch you next time. Appreciate you, Sam. Have fun on locks, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. smoke out windows drink till we can't stand but i saw you dance like you want to in my head and all that she said is oh i know what you're thinking Can't